Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So from a mindset perspective, something that has shifted me personally is I haven't really lost anything if it was never in my possession to begin with. So when I hear people like, oh, I should have invested in Bitcoin when it was this or whatever, right? Or I should have taken that job and now it's, you know, I got rejected from that job or right now I'm, I'm applying for 200 speaking engagements and I will probably only land three, <laughs> right? I could talk about the 197 that I quote unquote lost, but they were never mine to begin with. So I would strongly encourage, especially women, focus on the things that are already yours. If it was never in your possession, then it wasn't yours to begin with. And what's yours is coming. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. 
It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Bernadette, welcome back to the podcast. You are in a very distinctive class of people who have actually invited back to the podcast for a repeat episode. So just be aware, like I fucking love you and I would have you back as many times as you want. So thank you for being here again. Oh my gosh, could you see I'm turning bright red from you just saying that I feel so honored because you know, like I am such a fangirl of yours. So thank you for saying that. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. All right. So for folks who may be encountering you for the first time, let's start off with an introduction. Sure. So hello, everybody. I am Bernadette Joy. I am the chief educator at Crush Your Money Goals. And I like to say that I train current and future millionaires, particularly women of color, which is near and dear to my heart. I am first generation Filipino American. If you Google my name, you'll see a lot of stories of she paid off $300,000 of debt in three years. And the narrative has since changed to us building our first million dollars of net worth in our 30s and heading towards very real early retirement. And so I love teaching people about all of the things. And I am a self-proclaimed money nerd and huge K-pop fanatic. <laughs> I love the fact you, you got to throw that in there. And who doesn't love oh K-pop? I mean, really, it's like scientifically proven you cannot feel shitty when K-pop is <laughs> on the radio. I think it's yes. scientific fact. <laughs> it's also it's also like top of mind for me because today I'm I'm going to a K-pop concert. So like <laughs> one of the reasons I became debt free and financially independent was so I could go to a K-pop concert whenever I want to. <laughs> Hashtag goals. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your journey to becoming a millionaire, right? That term, I feel like it's thrown around, you know, like million dollar business, million dollar portfolio, da 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 da. But what actually goes into becoming a millionaire? Can you break it down? All right. So I think the first misconception, and surprisingly, I've had to clarify this with a lot of people, is that being a millionaire means that you have a million dollars net worth of assets. So take everything that you own minus everything that you owe, right? And if that amount comes to a million dollars or more, you're technically a millionaire. But a lot of people think that being a millionaire means that you have a million dollar business or that you make a million dollars a year or whatever it is. And so when people say, oh, it's not attainable to be a millionaire, actually, if you really like break it down, it's more attainable than people think it is. I did not think it was going to be attainable for me, especially as a Filipino American who was just like trying to like get by in life. And I also didn't think it was going to come in my 30s. I was thinking, you know, I think I will be a millionaire someday, but maybe in my 50s <laughs> or in my 60s. And what has really, I think, changed the game in terms of, and we'll probably talk more about it, but if I had to tell people like, what are the main things that got me to that our first million, and I like to say my first because there'll be others coming along the way, is getting super, super clear about having that as a goal, period. A lot of women that I talk to, they're like, oh, well, I don't really need money or I don't, I'm not about money. That's not important to me. Well, if it's not important to you, then it's not going to happen. So that's one is like saying it out loud and being very clear that that is something that I am pursuing. 
if you follow me on my social media, I am a stickler for budgeting. So everyone always wants to know what is the plan? Well, how am I going to get here? And then I tell them like, well, here's your plan. It's called a budget. And they're like, no, I don't want that. Give me another plan. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the plan. Budgeting has gotten me there and I've been consistent about it for the last six or seven years at this point. And then you preach so much about this, which I love, which is I'm all for paying down debt, obviously, and managing expenses and stuff. But like you will hit a limit with that. And at some point, you're going to have to increase your income. And so when I first started this journey at the time, my salary was 30K and it's four times that now. And that is a big piece of how we were able to grow our net worth aside from just like paying down debt and budgeting. Yeah. And for folks who want to revisit our first episode together, like you did some hard shit. Like you had a roommate, correct? At one point. Oh my you God. Yes. Sold your car. Like you did a lot of shit that is difficult to deal with in the moment. And I think the sacrifices that you made should be highlighted too. Thank you. One of the biggest sacrifices that came recently since our last episode was that I sold my house, which was crazy thing. And I'm not saying that everyone has to go like downsize or whatever, but it became very clear to me that for me at this moment in my life, I know that I want to own a house again at some point. But right now, when I thought about what's important in the next couple of years, it was like digital nomadism and really honing my craft and all that stuff. And none of that really required a, a house at that moment in time. And so a lot of people, including my family, were like, what do you mean you're selling your house and you're going to a two-bedroom condo? And I was like, this is what I want to do. And I help a lot of my clients buy homes. And like, I'm still all for real estate. And actually, the biggest portion where we were able to grow our net worth was because of the way we bought our homes in the past. Like, Real estate was a big reason that we were able to accelerate our timeline. But there was a lot of things that people will look at what me and AJ did. And they'll, they'll say like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to get a roommate. I'm not going to sell my car. I'm like, you don't have to. But having this goal made me very creative in figuring out multiple ways that I could do this. And also my biggest tenant is like, if I can do this without having to work more, like that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so it's like, I could work extra and like try to figure out how to like grow this business. And I'm still doing that too. But I was like, oh, I could make a lot of money in this one transaction. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. That's a, a big piece of it is like, I'm just inherently lazy. And so the less work <laughs> I have to do is probably new. <laughs> Girl, I feel that in my spirit. Okay, so thank you for sharing. Lazy people can also become millionaires, FYI. <laughs> Despite what Twitter and the rest of the universe will tell you. Oh my okay, gosh, so I'm so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about kind of the greater purpose of this. What is the goal of you becoming a millionaire, right? Because like we can make these goals, but if they're not attached to a more significant why, it's kind of fucking pointless. So what's your goal? And like, why did you want to do this? It's funny because I own a company called Crush Your Money Goals and I've been struggling with this goal part of it this year in particular because I thought it would take us another couple of years to get to this point. And I was like, oh, and I'll figure out like why this all matters at that point. And then it came and I was like, oh, wait, I need to figure out why, <laughs> why I need to do this. So initially the goal was just so that we could retire with dignity and a reasonable amount of comfort. So when I talk to a lot of folks who are new in the personal finance space, they're like, well, I don't need to be a millionaire. I'm like, well, let me break down what it's like to live in the U.S., on basics. And I'm sure you've even run some similar things on your Instagram and stuff, but it's like, if you are living on a $3,000 a month, like expenses, which is, you know, in most places, like where you live, where I live, like that's not going to cover a whole lot. If you're going to retire at traditional retirement at 65 up until 95, because 
Filipinos, we live a long ass time, right? So like, I'm like, I'm fully planning to live until I'm 100, right? So I'm like, even if I were to retire at a normal age, $3,000 a month, I would literally need a million, almost a million dollars in the bank. And when I say the bank, right, the metaphorical bank here, right? In order to retire, right, comfortably and not have to worry about expenses. So that was the initial reason to do it. It was like, I just want to be able to retire at some point in life. And honestly, it came from a place of fear initially because my mom and dad, they didn't have enough money to retire. And my dad worked until his 70s. A thought that I had in the past year was like, my father did not work into his 70s just for me to work into my 70s. He didn't like come from the Philippine Islands to the US and start from scratch just for me to like do that same thing. So initially, it came from a place of, if I'm going to be honest, a place of fear. And then as I was starting to figure this out and, and learn more about investing and growing a business and getting really good with my money, it started to become about like, what can I do to make my personal life meaningful? And a lot of rhetoric for women is, you know, like, oh, you're here to help everybody. And I'm all for that too, right? But somewhere in this, we got lost, uh, the messaging got lost of like taking care of yourself and making sure that you're going to be okay too. And so feeling like really good about the life that you're living, right? So there came a point where I was just like, you know, I can keep trying to accumulate this money, but then what is it all for? And right now where my goal currently as of today is being able to take these portions of wealth and putting it in places that actually really matter to me, whether it's individual people that I care about personally in my life. So for example, my nieces and nephews, it could be about particular causes that I'm interested in supporting, or it could be also just about doing things that I enjoy, right? So the broader thing that has been both really exciting to explore, but also challenging to define is when you've been chasing goals for so long, and then you kind of actually like hit it, and you have to recalibrate, like, how much more of this do I have to do? Like, I would love to tell you that I, I'm very clear on that right now, but I still have some clarity to come yeah. up with. Well, first off, thank you for your honesty, because I feel like these are conversations that should be had more often in our space, but they're just not. And it reminds me of a lot of stories I've heard of people who have achieved financial independence, and then they wake up that next day and they're like, they don't know what the fuck the point is anymore. They're just like, so what is the goal now? Like, do I just watch Netflix all day? Am I going to become a Etsy craft enthusiast? Like, <laughs> what are we doing? And I think that's why it's such an important thing to like, just become like a well-rounded human being with lots of interests and social connections and important relationships and just things that fucking light you up because the money is not going to hug you back. It's not going to give you the satisfaction of knowing that like you have really great friendships or you have like a really awesome marriage or whatever's like important to you. I promise you some of the people with the most money are fucking sad and miserable because they just haven't nurtured any other aspect of their lives other than the acquisition of wealth. Uh -huh. With me, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because in the last six years, the question I hear all the time is always like, what's next? So what's next? And in a lot of ways, like I'm very grateful where people have followed my journey and they're like excited for me, right? They're like seeing that I'm hitting these different milestones and people who have known me for the last eight years, decade now have seen like, I literally was like, just, just like borderline collapsing in life. Like I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so like a lot of people will say, you know, it's very inspirational to see what you're doing. And so they're always asking what's next. And so this year is the first year and it happened a couple of years ago when I closed my first business where I was very honest with people. And I'm like, I actually don't know what's next. 
I don't know what's next. But that was also kind of the point of the financial freedom. It's for me to be able to say, I don't know what I'm doing next, but I have the ability to explore right now. And so it's been kind of eye-opening fun and also like, okay, maybe I need to rethink this a little bit was that I've been quote unquote practicing early retirement in the last couple of months. And then this year, a lot of my time is focused on early retirement. So, you know, all the things that people say that they're going to do once they're financially free, they're like, I'm going to travel. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to do all this other stuff. And I started doing all this stuff and I was like, I don't like this as much as I thought I was going to like it. I went on this whole thing in uh, Q4 last year where I was like traveling to like just all these different places in the US. And I was like, this is exhausting. And also I'm 37 now and my back hurts and I need to be in my own bed. (laughs) And some of these places, like I thought it would be cooler. It was okay, (laughs) you know? And so when I put this like this so much pressure and all these things that I was going to do, and then it turns out they weren't bad, right? But it was like, this isn't the thing. So I'm like kind of at the drawing board now where I was like, oh, actually, I don't want to travel that much. And funny enough, like we already live in the mountains. So now we're just taking three planes to go to other mountains and go look at those. Like there has to be more to this. And so one of the things that has been fun is that I've been re-exploring, like you said, relationships with people. I have made such some of my closest friends right now are people that I just met in the last couple of years who I feel like it really resonate with. I've also had to let go of relationships that just doesn't fit into the future state of where I want to be. Those are all things that harder to navigate than I had expected. And like I said, I'm just grateful that I have some ability to do that right now versus like being stressed about like making the next book. Oh my gosh, this is such a refreshing conversation. So thank you again for just keeping it a hundred, as they say, Um, (laughs) because there's just so much more nuance to this idea of building wealth than just a fucking number in a bank account. Like what does wealth actually mean? It's not just money. I think it really is just us having that permission to explore these things without the pressure of capitalism fucking draining us of all of our energy and resources. Like it's just room to breathe. That's Mm -hmm. what I think wealth can really be. Absolutely. And I would also say, you know, one of the things that has come up for me recently too is the ability to take more risk in things that I wouldn't have before. And so one of the reasons I'm so such a proponent of paying down debt first and you know, I'll always kind of be in that camp is because it has allowed me infinite more ability to take on risk on things that I wouldn't have otherwise taken. So like, you know, in the investing world, everyone's like, you know, the stock market has grown by 26%, blah, blah, all this other stuff, right? And I'm actually one of the people like, I've lost a, a significant amount of money in the last couple of months because I have taken some significant risks like in blockchain and things that like right now are just all over the place. And when I tell people like, oh yeah, my portfolio is down like 60K in the last month, as an example. People are like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, well, yeah, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. I saw that and I was like, I want to puke, right? But I invested money that I knew I didn't need at this moment in time right now. So I'm able to take on these risks that allow me also to learn about things that I wouldn't have had as much skin in the game if I was just investing a little bit right now, right? So for all of the things that people talk about in becoming a millionaire, and it always sounds like such a straight line. Mine has looked very much like how the stock market has been looking in the last couple of months. Like it's like up and down. Some days I'm like fabulous, doing great. Some days I'm like, I just want to like cry in bed. (laughs) It's not all up all the time. And I think that's important for people to know also because people assume like once you get there, like everything is hunky-dory, but there's a lot of other things to navigate beyond just like you said, the wealth aspect of it. Absolutely. Okay, so another thing that, and I'm actually planning on writing about this in my book, is this idea of wealth guilt. Right. Oh. I like to call it when Jenny from the block 
goes to Jenny with the bag. Okay. Because <laughs> she's still Jenny. She's just in a different environment that now all of a sudden is just very unfamiliar and can feel like that imposter syndrome is definitely something that resonates with me when I see myself today having accomplished what I've accomplished versus so many people that I grew up with or who are related to me who are just on a completely different wavelength. I mean, there are some personal decisions that people make that can result in where you are in life, but there's a lot of societal and systemic shit that especially keeps us as people of color behind the eight ball. So how do you deal with the survivor's guilt, if you will, of being the one that made it out when there's so many people who are fucking struggling? <sighs> Ooh, okay, we're going to get into it. I'm like taking a deep breath right now because I'm going to like talk about some stuff that bubbling up for me when you say that. So the immediate thing that comes to mind is it wasn't unfortunate in the way that it happened, but I'm grateful for that it did. So you and I were talking before, like my father passed away back in May. So it's been almost a year. And I'm the eighth of nine ki- of his nine kids, and seven of them live in California, and then I have seven half-brothers and sisters. My brother lived in New York, and then I live in North Carolina. And so when the news came that my dad was probably not going to make it, right, like I like was on the first plane there, and you know, was there with him for like that whole week that we were going through that whole ordeal, and my seven half-brothers and sisters, and I would say through no fault of their own, like weren't really able to be there for many reasons, right? Like there's very complex kind of family that we have, right? But one of the things that kind of came up consistently, at least with a couple of my siblings is like, well, I have to work and no fault to any of them, right? But one of the things that became very clear to me during that time was all of the things that I was saying, all the reasons that I was saying that I needed to be financially free were for moments like this. And then when the hospital bills came and the funeral bills came and the Bills were piling up of things that like my mom hadn't taken care of because my dad was the one who took care of all those things, like what I could contribute and not have to even think about it. And then, you know, I spent a whole month, you know, this is a point to where I was still, you know, growing my business and all this stuff. And I had to tell my clients, like, this is what's going on with me right now. Like, I just need to let you know, like, I'm gonna do my best. And then all of my clients were like, take care of you, take care of your family, totally understanding of it. And I still had a little bit of that, like, oh my gosh, like I'm letting people down because I'm taking a pause in my business in order to like take care. And one of my clients said to me, she was like, isn't this the point? She said, don't feel bad about me right now. Right. And she sent me like like, stuff to like get me through that, that next couple of weeks. And so I look on back on that time. And when I say, you know, it was unfortunate in the way that happened, it was like a very real wake up call for me to say like, oh, I said that when I was going to be financially free, like it was so that I could spend more time with family and so I could do these things. And then shit really hit the fan and we were able to do the things that we said that we were going to do. I'm grateful that we were able to do that. Not everyone is able to. So when I think about, do I feel guilty about it now? No, I don't. Did I feel guilty about it before? Because before that, my very loving Filipino family would be like, how can you afford to do this? How can you do that? Like, why are you posting about money on social media? Why are you telling people things you shouldn't be saying, right? Like I felt so bad about a lot of those things before. And then when that whole thing happened, it was like, okay, this is what really matters, right? The time and the energy that's spent on caring about the people that you care about. And so I really wish for people who are listening, like that doesn't happen to you in that way. And so I hope you can take like the lesson that I learned in that to realize like, like you can always make more money, but like you can't get time back. And that to me is like what keeps me motivated on not like not feeling so guilty about it. Mm, Yes. 
Absolutely. And I've seen these things transpiring within my own family, just seeing, you know, uncles, older people in my family who were the glue, if you will, the financial glue, the financial CFOs of the family. And now the women, the daughters, the wives are left to like deal with the aftermath. And they didn't necessarily know what was going on with money. They didn't necessarily have a plan that nobody wants to confront this idea that like the people we love will someday not be here anymore. And how the hell can we prepare for that? And so I'm curious, like what your advice would be for folks who are going to encounter this, because I know I'm preparing for it, you know, in different ways, talking to my parents about what is the actual financial situation that you guys are in? Do you have money for retirement? Do you have a life insurance plan? Do you have an estate plan? What are those conversations looking like for you? Yeah. So interestingly, I had one of these conversations with my parents, like right before the pandemic in like 2019, it was the last time I like really spent time with my dad before the pandemic hit. It was tough. Even for me being a quote unquote financial expert, like I can get on camera and talk about who, whatever to whatever. And then I'm sitting in front of my parents and I'm like, so like, what do you want to do if something were to happen? Let's just say, right. And my parents were like, not interested in having that conversation at first, to be honest, like it was pulling some teeth. And what I had to recognize for myself was that I had to come from a place of sharing more, talking from a place of my own experience versus being like, you should do this or you should do that, right? So the first thing I did was like, I literally, me and my husband, we made our own estate plan first. So like, we did the whole process ourselves so that we could understand what it would be like. Then we could talk at least from a place of saying like, well, you know, we went through this process and we found it kind of challenging or these are things that were tough to talk about. Like, have you guys had this conversation? Right. And it was very different the next time around that I had that conversation with my parents to say, you should be doing this or you should be thinking about that versus like, we just went through this process. We would love to share how it's been for us and like, see how we can help you. And in that conversation, what was interesting was that something came up with my mom that I wasn't expecting. She said to me, maybe some people can relate was if I pass, like, I want you to send money to like all your cousins in the Philippines. And I was like, first of all, what? I didn't know I had cousins in the Philippines. Second of all, like, who are these people? And like, it just opened up this whole can of worms, right? And she was like, yeah, yeah, you know, just like whatever. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. So I said to her, I said, okay, I can't do that because I don't know even know who these people are. And so it would be great if we actually like started talking about it, started having a plan about it. And did we get a full-blown plan in place? No, I would love to say that we did that, but it created a lot more awareness in that conversation first. And then she actually started funneling money toward like, and one of the questions that came up, I said, well, why are you waiting until you pass away? And she said, oh, since then she started funding college for like, apparently one of my cousins in the Philippines I didn't know I had. So having the conversation at first to say, here's what I'm doing. What are you guys planning to do? Not from a place of, oh, we think we're going to die soon or when are we going to get money or anything like that? But just like, what are the wishes that you really intend for yourself? Went a long way. And then on my husband's side, who are also first generation Filipino, they actually raised the conversation with us first. Again, interestingly, decided to do this like around a table one day for dinner. And they're like, so if we were both to be on a plane and the plane didn't make it. And I was like, where's this conversation? This was like over like just random dinner, right? They're like, (laughs) here's what's going on. And the conversation was great in that there were some discrepancies between the three brothers, but my husband is the second of the three. But it gave us an opportunity to talk through those discrepancies versus waiting until the thing happened. Mm -hmm. And so because of that conversation, there were some changes that were made. So as hard as it is, and I'm going to say this like not to be a Debbie Downer, but not just as a money person, but as a daughter who had to deal with the after impact of a will not being in place. 
if you think it's hard to talk about it now, it is so much harder for the people when the thing happens. So yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's, I would encourage people to consider sooner than later. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's just, it's a conversation that has to become normalized in our families, especially if you are that person who is like the responsible one, if you will, right? The one who people are going to turn to for figuring out how the fuck we handle this once it gets there. Because I know I am that person, like 1000% my family has already told me that, like, you're the person we're going to expect to figure this shit out. And I was like, okay, cool. Good to know. Let me prepare myself. Let me sign up for therapy now because I'm going to need to do some (laughs) preemptive work to be everybody's fucking emotional support animal. So... So, yes, it's conversations that must be had. Well, okay. I'm going to tell you this, Janice, yes, before, you know, before we move from that point is like that something else that I did not expect and it was very hard for me to do was everyone loves the word boundaries, but I also had to set some boundaries on things that I was not willing to do and I was not willing to engage in. And I got some drama up in my family, right? So, so Who doesn't, <laughs> right? You know, in Filipino, we call our aunts and uncles like titos and titas, right? So like we call gossip like chismis, right? So I like literally had to sit down with my family. I'm like, I ain't engaging in no chismis. You know, like the titos and titas can do whatever they want, right? But like, here's like the limits of what I'm going to be responsible for. And again, like letting them know because the assumption was like, oh, well, she'll just show up and she'll just take care of her or whatever. And I was like, and especially I'm going to say this too, because I am the only one that doesn't have kids and I don't plan on having kids and all that stuff. Like the immediate assumption was like, well, she can just drop whatever and like take care of stuff. And I was like, just to be clear, I am absolutely willing to help. And here's where I am willing to help. But this is like where the limitation is on it. So like whatever you thought was going to happen, we have to create another plan. Mm. And that it didn't save me completely from therapy. <laughs> but at least the, the therapy sessions weren't as intense, I guess, as I could say. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think we tend to give sometimes to the point of detriment out of guilt. And it's just like, look, you have to figure out what works for you. You have to put on your own life vest, whatever oxygen mask, whatever analogy you want to use. Because at some point, if you are depleted financially, emotionally, spiritually, like you're not going to serve anybody at that point. 100%. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic 
your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. So let's talk about what we can do to prevent becoming out of touch, rich snobs as we build wealth, right? Because I think like, obviously, much of the narratives that come out of personal finance come from hella privileged white men, don't know a lot of struggle. And I think as a generation of people who are creating wealth, maybe for the first time in their entire lineage, how do we keep ourselves from becoming those like patriarchal voices that patronize people for just not getting their shit together because mm. we were able to do it. Mm. Okay. Let's see if I can succinctly say this because I feel like that would be an entire podcast episode on its own. What I would say for me personally is I had to be super clear about what my own like core values were when it as it relates to money. So one of my core values, very similar to my budget, is like I'm kind of aiming for like a net zero at the end of the day, like the last day I'm on earth, like there will also be like nothing left <laughs> in the sense of like I'm trying to use my wealth as much as possible while I'm like still here, right? So what that did for me though was that it really forced the discussion with myself as to like, well, what things then do I want to do while I am able to do it, right? So a lot of the things that I didn't expect to be on my radar of things that I was interested in doing, like started showing up, you know, as a small example, I have a, a strong interest in mental health, right? I was actually a psychology degree major, like in college, and we're talking about it now, there's so much need for that. And so aside from personal finance, like I have a strong interest in investing in other businesses and entities that are focused on mental health, right? So what that did for me and being very clear about my core values is like when you're saying like, oh, I'm accumulating all this wealth. Yeah. And I want to buy all the nice things. And don't get me wrong. Like I love shoes. I love all that other stuff too. Right. But if it wasn't aligned with like what the core values of what I decided my wealth was going to be used for, then I had to have, I had to take a pause and say like, am I moving forward with this decision or not? So one thing I would say is core values. The second piece that I don't know, I don't know if this is good advice or not, but talking to as many other wealthy people as possible and figuring out what you don't want to be. Sometimes you don't know what you want until you see it. And you're like, you know what? I don't know what I want to be, but I know it's not fucking bad. <laughs> yes. And me um, actually publicizing very openly, like what my current net worth is and all that stuff. Like it has invited a lot of conversations that I don't think people otherwise would have had a conversation with me because they didn't think I would. I had a conversation this morning with someone and I was like, part of my issue is that I actually, you and I both, I think we both look younger than we actually are. Right. And so like, People are like, what does she know? She's like 20 something. I'm like, I'm 37. Like I'm actually closer to 40. So I have to publicize to people what in order Put to have some respect money. on that shit. Okay. Put some respect <laughs> exactly. on we are elder millennials. Exactly. <laughs> I know when they keep lumping me with like other younger people, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Like <laughs> we are like, geriatric. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. 
So in having these conversations with other people, I have found role models, people who I think are doing amazing things with their wealth that I wouldn't have otherwise thought of. So as a small example, I just like a couple weeks ago, opened my first donor advised fund. I didn't know any, anyone else who was doing that. Like I grew up in, if you want to donate, you put money in the basket at church and like, that's it. Like, yes, I didn't know there's like a whole other thing to this, right? So talking with other people made me realize things I wanted to do. But more importantly, I found a lot of things I was like, I do not. Nope, not doing that. So I had a, you know, I had an example of someone who like talked to and they're like, they didn't know what else to do with their money. And they bought seven cars. And I was like, good for you in the sense of like, whatever, like, that's what you want to do. Like, I'm going to judge here. But then he was like, honestly, I did that because I didn't know what else to fucking do. Right. <laughs> God, that's terrible. <laughs> and I, was like, I am judging you, sir, whoever you are. <laughs> yeah, right? So the good news is, and having a conversation, like I was able to educate him on some stuff. But to be fair, Janice, like I could definitely go down a rabbit hole of buying designer purse after designer purse, oh, right? For, like, sure. for sure. So, but when I heard him say that, I'm like, that sounds absurd. But I was like, oh, but the seven Louis Vuittons that I'm planning on purchasing because I know which ones I want, like, mm, is it that Are different? we there? Yeah. Are we that different? <laughs> <laughs> so it was also a stop check for me, right? To just say, okay, like there are certain things that I don't want to do. And then even just the rhetoric, because I will say personally, I'm guilty of it. I have gone down this path for a couple of years now. And there is a point that I like, I kind of forgot about this. So what's been interesting, I've been getting a lot, a lot of like more controversial comments on my social media. And I had a couple of comments, people saying like, you're Asian, like you're not a person of color. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I, yeah, I got from another person of color, which I thought was like bizarre to me. Right. And I had someone else say, well, you must make a lot of money or like, how much did you make when you're paying down the sin? I was like, my salary was 30 K back then. Right. And interestingly, in having all of these trolley people, you know, I'm actually grateful for them because it made me realize like, oh, I did come a long way. And I kind of forgot where I came from. I only started sharing more of the rhetoric of like, let me school y'all on like how Filipino people are not the same as Chinese people <laughs> or whatever. Let's do that. Right. And like a lot, of even my close friends didn't know that I had eight siblings. A lot of people didn't know about some of the things that were going on within my family. Right. To your question of how do we stay in touch, right? Is like, I think we were these people all along, but you can get lost in a lot of the the hoopla and like the excitement of growing your business and doing all those things. But like taking a moment to say, okay, you know, I was still that person a couple of years ago and that's where people are right now. Hopefully will keep me grounded. Yeah. Hopefully. I absolutely love that advice. And honestly, I think one of the main reasons why we tend to forget where we came from is this idea that like we're taught to just show the fucking highlight reel on social media, right? So like, if you're constantly reinforcing to yourself, like, look at all of this shit I've done, but you don't go back and think about like, what are some of those hard moments that I could share that would also be useful lessons to people? What are those vulnerable moments that I had? Like, that's why I talk about, you know, my whole fucking business came out of a mental health crisis, like 1000%, you know, and it's just like, it's not shameful. It's not wrong. It's not somehow, it doesn't somehow diminish what you've been able to accomplish by acknowledging that the shit wasn't easy. On the contrary, I feel like it makes people resonate with you more. It makes people feel like you're more human, like you're more relatable. And we need that. We need to feel less like we're being spoken down to and you're in this shitty situation in your life because you just made shitty decisions. It's like, no, we've all made fucking terrible decisions. And the more that we share that, the less we can continue to infuse this like guilt and shame and bullshit that is so often associated with so much of the personal finance advice that's out there. 
Oh, absolutely. And I have to say it's cliche sounding, but surrounding yourself with people who are also level headed and grounded goes a long way. And I, you know, credit you for a lot of that. Like I follow your social media religiously and you've shared some things recently. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that about you before. Like I didn't know about like the mental health crisis before because I remember you posting about that recently. And I was like, oh my God, we really are close. Like we're, we must be long lost sisters because literally that was the same kind of similar story for me where I was just like, I literally had like a breakdown. And that was what forced my hand, right, to like pursue this personal finance journey. But like, I didn't think anybody wanted to hear that. So you've encouraged me in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think the other practical speaking thing that I can say about like, how do we not be out of touch is, I'm going to be honest, I'm like, still working on this, right? But it's like, I got to learn to let some money go. And like knowing that it's coming back, right? And I see that with a lot of my clients, right? I see a lot of my clients saying like, oh, I can't do these things because they think it's a finite resource. Like if I spend it now, it's not going to come back. And so even just this week thinking about, okay, I'm going to donate more than I've ever donated before in my life. And that is counter to my growth in net worth, 100%. But again, what was the fucking point? (laughs) What was the point of doing this if I wasn't going to use it for things that actually mattered to me? But yeah, is it easy for me to click the button and be like, boop, here's like a couple thousand dollars that I'm not going to be investing or I'm not going to be putting into my business like I have been for the last couple of years. It is a shift in mindset for me. So I would strongly encourage people like keeping a portion of your wealth towards giving and being very focused on that as well, saying like, here's a literal dollar amount that I plan on doing. In my experience, it's always come back. It's come back every single time. And it blows my mind every time it does. I love that. And y'all, like you can automate your charitable giving the same way that you automate your investments. So like one thing that I can't fucking stand is charity porn, is the giving porn. The like, hey, look, I'm going to go and film myself handing out blankets to homeless people. Or I'm going to post, you know, look at the big ass check that I just wrote. I'm just like, just fucking do it. Because if you really find yourself having to share this shit on social media because you care so much, I don't really think you care. I think you need likes. I think you need validation. I think you need somebody to make you fucking feel better about what it is you're doing. And that is completely contrary to like what it actually means to be a charitable person. And that's me on my soapbox. And I will sit down. No, I love it. I tell people all the time, like now that we're talking about now, I really I forgot about this. But one of my goals is just to be one of those anonymous yes. people, right? That just like donate stuff. And it's like some like weird person. And then like, <laughs> it was just like an old white guy. And then like, you know, later on in life, they're like, holy shit, it was that person? Like it was her? Like it was Hashtag her? That's, that's what I want, you know? <laughs> like, I think that'd be super cool. And I agree with you in the extent. And I, you know, and I think there's a balance to that, right? I think there is some level of responsibility for people to share what they're doing in the, to the extent of like maybe encouraging other people to do the yeah. same or, you know, like as a small example, like I will say like, I knew I wanted to donate money, but I didn't know to where, right? So like seeing what other people I trust, what they were sending their money to, like gave me some place to go with it. And I agree with you. Sometimes like you can tell when people are posting it for the sake of likes versus the, the sake of sharing the cause or yeah. whatever, right? And there's a fine line sometimes. So yeah. I agree with you on that. but. I also think that there is also a lot of shaming people who can't afford to do that right now. And I think that's Mm. also where we can get out of touch, right? Is I've seen some people sometimes saying like, prayers are not going to do this. And I agree. I agree, right? Uh, To a certain extent, right? But there's literally people I know that cannot afford to do much more than that. Mm -hmm. And to make them feel about that situation too would feel very out of touch. There's so many lines to walk and so many things to balance. So it's just like, just be an empathetic human being. I think we could all do with a little more empathy in the world. I agree. So yeah, go ahead. I'm learning more and more that it's a skill set. It's not a trait. Mm -hmm. 
something that you actually have to train on. I don't think people spend enough time doing that. And I myself have been finding gaps in my empathy that I need to practice more on. And so, and I don't have a really good answer on how to do that, but people assume either you're empathetic or not, but I actually do believe that you can build that as a skill set. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. That's the great thing for us to all marinate on and see where those opportunities lie. Okay, let's talk about your top two tips, one mindset and one practical for building wealth this year. What's your top tip from a like mindset perspective? And then what's a practical thing we can do? Okay, so mindset wise, something that has been working for me, let me give you some preface. So a lot of my clients, I've been hearing things of all of the regrets that they didn't do, all of the things that they lost, the job opportunities they didn't get, the contract that didn't land, and focusing on that versus what they've actually already won, right? So this is to the line of what you said, like, how can we make sure that we're not like snobby, sucky, (laughs) rich people, right? I've encountered it enough times, especially in the last year, of people who are only focusing on everything that they quote unquote lost versus everything that they either have to gain or that they've already gained. So something that has been, and I I would say I've been guilty of that too. So from a mindset perspective, something that has shifted me personally is I haven't really lost anything if it was never in my possession to begin with. So when I hear people like, oh, I should have invested in Bitcoin when it was this or whatever, right? Or I should have taken that job and now it's, you know, I got rejected from that job or right now I am applying for 200 speaking engagements and I will probably only land three, (laughs) right? I could talk about the 197 that I quote unquote lost, but they were never mine to begin with. So I would strongly encourage, especially women, focus on the things that are already yours. If it was never in your possession, then it wasn't yours to begin with. And what's yours is coming. That would be on the mindset side. And then on the practical speaking side, I would say, especially right now, because you and I have been talking like, again, what is the point of all this? really take a close assessment as to what your actual needs are and align your savings right now to that. So as a small example, like there's always this rhetoric in personal finance, like invest, 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 like you should be investing more. And I'm like, actually, I'm pausing on investing kind of right now because I'm storing more cash for who knows what's happening in the world. And also because I'm getting a better understanding of my own risk tolerance, right? So Assess what your needs are. When I say that, like, let's go back to the very basics. So like, what do you need for food, health, transportation, utilities, and housing? You must have at least a month's worth of that in savings. If you don't have that right now, like that is the main thing to focus on. If you do have that right now, then you can start talking about what is your risk tolerance on taking on other things. And that might be investing or paying down debt or other things. But before you go into either of those, get a sense of how much you are willing to sacrifice in cash. Because I'm telling you, I'm seeing both sides. I'm seeing people not having enough cash and I'm seeing people like hoarding cash right now to the point where it doesn't make sense. And so having the right level of cash based on your particular lifestyle situation is super critical, especially right now. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think so many of us get this narrative that it's like cash is you know, you're basically setting your money on fire if it's sitting in a bank account. And and I'm just like, right now, I'm in a position where I'm thinking about investing in real estate. So do I want that shit in the market doing what it's doing? Hell fucking no. We have to reassess all the advice that we get and then tailor it to ourselves. It's not like a one-stop shop fucking formula that you should be be following because somebody else on freaking TikTok told you to do it. Um, (laughs) There's so much nuance. There's so much 
of your own personal situation to consider it. Like one of the stances that you took when you were paying off your debt is you actually stopped investing, which is very contrary to like what we're told we should be doing. We're like, you should do both. And it's just like, you know what? How about we just give ourselves the permission to fucking question all the information that is thrown at us and then custom tailor it to what you need to do. For sure. You know, the beauty of that story is that now I can go back and look, I still became a millionaire, y'all. Like, <laughs> that was one of my favorite, like, that was a little bit of a clapback moment because I literally had a white finance bro who was like, you should not be saying this or whatever. And I was like, well, I'm still a millionaire. I'm fine. Like, we're good. <laughs> right? So I agree with you on that aspect. And that is the other piece that I would say, practically speaking, that I'm very much on the train of right now. Like, one of my long-term goals is to become an angel investor because- the vast majority of my my wealth right now is in the market. But like I said earlier, my main way of getting that money in the first place was through real estate. But I'm so tired of the narrative of people telling, especially women, like, oh, you're not an investor. And some of the things that I've had to train my own clients, I'm like, if you went to college and took out student loans, you are already an investor. If you like contributed to your 401k, even though you didn't know what the hell you were doing and like why you were supposed to do it, you're already an investor. If you bought a home, you're already an investor. Like the idea that the investing is just the stock market is like, I'm just so over that conversation. And that is also where I have, you know, been training my students and then myself personally of like figuring out what is the risk tolerance I'm willing to have and then finding the investment vehicle that matches that. Right. So you and I, we both went into NFTs and crypto recently, right? Like, but I'm testing the waters right now. I'm still, I'm like, this is what I want to do forever. I don't know. But Everyone, there's no one right way to invest. And I think people take things like way too literally in terms of what people put out there. Specifically right now, I've told people, and I think this has been interesting, is that if you're not sure, you really can't go wrong with paying down some debt right now. Like if you're not sure what those investment vehicles are right now, then like focus on the debt a little bit now until like you figure out what that thing is that you want to do and then revisit that conversation. And so what's been fun, as a small example, I had a client recently who's like, She's like, I have so much credit card debt. I have so much credit card debt and I'm not investing enough. I'm not investing enough. And so I like, I literally walked her through, like, if you were to pay this down and this is what was going to happen, then all of the money that you used to put in in credit card debt, now you can put entirely towards investing and you wouldn't feel so stressed out. Like you look like you're about to lose your mind. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, wait, this is simpler than I thought. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't always have to be complicated. So I'm so glad that you're one of those people who put out that messaging as well. And I think there needs to be more flexibility in the definitions that we put around different types of investing, but also like how to manage money. Absolutely. So for folks that want to find out more about you, work with you and just continue to bask in your awesomeness, where is the best place for us to find you? (laughs) I am only on Instagram and LinkedIn on social media. So it's at Bernadette Joy spelled with the word debt in it. Uh, Thank you, Filipino parents for not realizing how they named me, that would be amazing. And then my website, if you want to spend time with me, it's at crushyourmoneygoals.com. And I run an academy where you have the option of working one-on-one with me, or you can join our group of badass women who are all either current or future millionaires. And we meet every week to teach you about all things money. Bernadette, Love you so much. Every time I encounter your content on social media, it's just so different. It's just so refreshing. It's just so unapologetically like, yes, you fucking deserve money and you should not feel bad about it and you can do it and you can be a woman of color and you can have all the things and we need more voices like yours who are just giving us permission to level up unapologetically. So thank you for what you do. Okay, I'm going to go cry now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much, honey. All right. Thanks for having me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer